Hello, and welcome back to the Digital Assessment Podcast. I'm Susanna, your host, digital content leader in Spira and a former teacher. So far in this series, we've been talking about the past, present, and potential future of digital assessment with Bjorn, the CEO in Spira. Today, I'm joined by Ishan Kohatka, who is the UK General Manager in Spira. And I'm really excited to talk with him today because he has lots of experience working both in and with institutions to implement digital assessment. Ishan, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. If you could give yourself a quick introduction and tell us all a bit more about who you are and what you do at Inspira. Absolutely. My name's Ishan Kolhatkar and I am the general manager here at Inspira in the United Kingdom. I've been here since we opened our office in the UK and prior to joining Inspira, I worked at a university where I spent two and a half years implementing Inspira as a platform and eliminating their pen and paper exams. Brilliant. Welcome, and I'm glad to have you here today. So today we're going to be talking about the long-term benefits of digital assessment and how institutions can make sure that they do really reap those benefits. But why don't we start off by giving it a bit of background? So can you talk about the impact that the pandemic had on institutions and particularly on digital assessment during that time? Institutions faced a really difficult choice back in the spring of 2020. The pandemic was upon us. We had to lock down. We had to finish teaching and they had to assess candidates. And that happened in a very short space of time. And institutions did a fantastic job in completely new circumstances that they'd never faced before. Over the course of the last year, they've been locked down in different places in different ways and had to adapt a little bit more. What's come out of it at a number of institutions is having seen that they can do things in different ways, that's given them greater opportunity to consider not only in a pandemic situation, but post-pandemic, how they might assess students. I know that when I was implementing Inspira two or three years ago, I would go to conferences or meet people at other institutions and they'd say, digital assessment, that's that's a nice idea, we'll get to it. Okay, so you'd say that some of these tools that were implemented during the pandemic kind of as an emergency measure are now really becoming part of institutions long-term strategy. That's right, they are. And I think that what we're seeing with institutions who are really forward thinking on this is not that, that they took something and they used it during the pandemic and they'll keep using it, but that that put more ideas out there, that there's more on the table. They've seen what worked, they've seen what didn't work. It's allowed them to innovate by saying, hang on, we tried this. We could just go one step further. We could use some of the more sophisticated digital tools out there. We don't just need to use our VLE, which is a learning environment, rather than being an assessment environment. And it's given them that broader broader view of what they can do and, and opened up their potential thinking to a much wider range of methods of assessment and use of technology. That's really interesting. And I think one of the biggest benefits of digital assessment during the pandemic and when lots of institutions were closed and still needed to assess their students was that 
it's very flexible. You can hold exams online and offer different options to, to different students. Now that more campuses are opening up again, do you think there are still benefits to holding exams remotely, even when you could hold them in an exam hall? Absolutely. I think that what a digital assessment platform does is give you that flexibility. It doesn't mean that you have to have all your exams online. It doesn't mean you have to have them all on site, but it does mean that you can do them all digitally by authoring a single paper and delivering it in different ways. It may be that what you and your student body want is the ability to sit in a computer room or a comfortable room on campus and use a university or their own device. You equally might have students who are unable to come to campus. You may have students who live some distance away. You may have distance learning programs. You may have students who came to the UK to take their program and for whatever reason need to resit assessments and are now in another country. And instead of thinking, I've got to come up with several ways of assessing them, or I now have to operationalize several ways of doing this same exam, you can write once, deliver many on Inspira as a single platform to give you that absolute flexibility. And you can do that with the security that you need that is appropriate to each environment, all in one space yeah you don't have to think about necessarily lots and lots of different arrangements and different formats for different people no matter what their kind of needs or even their preferences are they can sit the same exam yeah and, and in fact you could go one stage further and of course this all always depends on the assessment strategy and the regulations of an institution the circumstances we looked at just a moment ago were where you had people in specific places but the same flexibility would allow you to say to people, you can choose where you do your exam within a certain parameter of acceptable places. But you could you could let people say if they want to come in, if they want to do it at home, you've got the right tool to let you let them have that choice. Yeah, and I think it's really different for different students, isn't it? I think some people feel so much more comfortable being able to sit in their own home. But our other students would much prefer to be in an exam hall and that kind of formal setting gives them the kind of ability to concentrate and, and feel like they're sitting in an exam. It's really quite an individual choice. It is. And the one thing that's at the heart of all of that is the choice that students have expressed a desire to have for some time, which is to type. Uh, yeah. I, I immediately appreciate there are some people who prefer to write still, but the uh, the desire to type is one that has grown over the years. Uh, it's a slightly odd state of affairs that we have students who learn using uh, a device with a keyboard, that they go out into the, the world post-university and work predominantly with a keyboard. Uh, and yet for some three-hour blocks, we put them in a room with a pen and ask them to to complete an exam in that format. That's not to denigrate the use of a pen. There's always a use for it. But the flexibility for students and the matching their uh, ways of working and their desires by letting them type is a huge benefit to institutions. Yes, and not just for students uh, in terms of kind of 
avoiding hand cramp and being able to work in a way that reflects the way that they've studied and very, very likely that the way that they will work in their future careers. But you've also got benefits for um, the people grading the papers. You don't have to read hundreds of scripts in handwriting that is rushed and uh, probably slightly out of practice. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing that I didn't enjoy in my previous life as an academic was reading, trying to read handwriting. I say that as someone who has pretty poor handwriting themselves. And I didn't enjoy it, not just from the perspective of it's difficult, but you you almost felt that this this was getting in the way of someone being able to demonstrate their best work. Of course, all of us who have marked try our very best to read that handwriting, but you can remove that. That that goes away with people's ability to type and for you to read something clear. Yeah. And then I suppose there's there's other advantages like when you're writing and you write a paragraph that you realise should be somewhere else in the essay, either you scrub it out or you kind of try and draw a line and it's all a bit of a mess. Whereas when you're typing, you can just paste it to the right place, which is really useful. Absolutely. Which Which again matches the way that people operate outside of an assessment environment. Uh, I know that that some some bemoan the fact that people are perhaps a little less structured because they can copy and paste. Maybe that's true, but copy and paste is a feature that we that most of us use fairly extensively and leads to a better document or assessment or submission or whatever it might be. Yeah, you don't actually think of all of your ideas in the order that you're going to present them in. And so you might write a bit of the ending or you might write a bit of the body and then switch them around. And and I think for a lot of people, that thought process is probably more natural than just writing something from the beginning to the end. Very much so. And And if what we're trying to assess is someone's structure, what we want to assess is the structure of the final submission that they uh, that they either upload or that they click to to submit at the end of an exam and it's that final structure it's not did they think of this structure first and i think that is one of the things that can start to get in the way is if we think well you know copy paste allows them to move things around yeah but you're looking for their final thought so give them that best opportunity to do so yeah so i suppose uh this is another benefit of of digital assessment in that it's more uh, akin to the kind of work that that students will be doing later on and beyond just the ability to type would you say that there are other ways that we can make digital assessment more authentic so to speak yes aside from being able to type there are other ways that you can make assessment more authentic by delivering it digitally one example is integrating the sorts of tools and applications that students use in their learning and will use beyond their learning. So whether that's use of statistical applications or Microsoft Office, or whether it's using something that's really specialized in a particular field, instead of having a pen and paper exam where they theoretically have to write out their answer, you can allow them to use those tools in order to generate their work in an assessment and as people start to use digital tools more that will take them in the direction of making 
the assessments match even further what is done within their learning. I think it's crucially important that when, when looking how to innovate your assessments, that it is a collaborative effort between the educators who have that deep pedagogical knowledge, between the technical people within your institution who know what you can and can't do in terms of technology, with the learning and teaching specialists who have that very broad pedagogic knowledge, and also with the administrative staff who have that level of knowledge in terms of what can be operationalized. If you have just pockets innovating, you're likely not through any nefarious reason, but likely to miss out some of those other considerations. That sort of holistic approach with a wide group of people is what will allow institutions to really move the authenticity, the use, the adoption, the comfort of digital assessments for not only the student body, but also for staff, for faculty, for administrators. Yeah, that's a really important point is that you don't just, you know, purchase a digital assessment platform and overnight have these incredible authentic assessments that include software that will be used in the workplace and really interesting research projects and things like this. It's it's not something that happens automatically. It's something that needs to be carefully planned and will probably happen over time. Very much so. The first thing that you can do when you have a digital assessment platform is literally just take what you've got and make it digital. And for some institutions, that is their step one. We certainly promote an approach where you incrementally, either by type of exam or by school or program, use the platform more and more to build that comfort and level of knowledge. But you're right, you do have to work to innovate and then see the sort of second and third levels of benefit that you can get, as it were, from digital assessment. So yeah, these these things take time. And I think when we talk about the benefits of digital assessment, there are lots of benefits that institutions can see over time. One of them, and possibly one of the most important ones, is, is this improvement in assessment, making it more authentic, more relevant to the real world. But there are other important operational uh, aspects that digital assessment can improve too, such as possible savings in costs and efficiency when creating assessment. Can you talk about what those benefits might be and how institutions can make sure that in the long term they are really seeing that? Sure. There are different benefits available to different institutions depending on how they do their assessments now. For some, it will be that they either don't have to rent exam space or that they can utilize their own buildings in a different way rather than as an exam hall at certain points during the year. Of course, it's important to consider whether that is what you're going to do. If you're going to send everyone away to, to do their exams at home or elsewhere, then you will realize that benefit. If, in fact, you're going to still have people on campus, that won't be one for you. But it might be that you can better use your space in a, in a different way um, and that you can space your exams in a different way. But it's certainly a potential area of saving. There are some ones that are almost universal 
like the reduction in cost in printing uh, for institutions where markers are in different places then you, you lose the costs of currying papers and you also lose as a non-financial but certainly very important benefit you lose the ability to lose papers um, yeah. so using the word lose twice there but i think people will know what i mean you, you have that security that the papers all live on a very secure cloud and so can be accessed everywhere you also increase the productivity of your your faculty and staff in that you could start marking an assessment as soon as it's finished. If someone has the time to do it immediately, then depending on how you configure the system, you could get cracking immediately. You also have the benefits in terms of the ones that you can't necessarily quantify as a number in the same way that you could paper, but you have the benefit of student satisfaction. We've seen in our surveys, other institutions across the world, when people have talked about digital assessment, that there is general student satisfaction in doing them digitally. Um, at the same time, recognizing that it, it creates other issues that you need to deal with. And just touching on that point of other issues, in order to realize benefits, financial or non-financial, it also requires institutions to analyze their assessment processes and do so dispassionately because there are some things that you do today on paper that are brilliant and that you'd want to keep doing either because they work or and or because they have a quality aspect to them. Do those, keep doing them, that's fine. But there will be parts of your assessment process that exist only because you assess on paper and you don't need to replicate those. The danger is that you just try to replicate an existing process digitally and you find that it's actually not smoother, it's more jagged because you're replicating things that you don't need to, that you did on paper, that you don't need to do digitally. And the dispassionate aspect of that is because there's comfort in doing what you've always done and you may find that it does slightly change people's roles. And, and that's that's an aspect of change management that is just so important at the same time as the technical implementation of a platform. Absolutely. And I suppose something that comes along with this is that there's this element of realizing how many processes you have in place, because I imagine for many institutions, especially very large ones that are hosting hundreds of exams every every year. There's multiple venues, so many invigilators, so many candidates, graders, authors, that lots of these processes certainly exist, but they exist in lots of different places. But when you start to digitize, you have to put them all into one place. And so it makes it clear just how many moving pieces there are. That's right. The The only way that you will really understand what your assessment process is in that granular detail is to take that review of it. I'm, I'm sure most institutions have a really, really good handle on what they do, but to see every little part, you do need to analyze it in that way. And in fact, what you then find is if you've got the right group of people doing it, they have granular level detail on the entire process. 
that there'll be lots of people in your institution who have granular level detail on their aspect of it. But to have all of it, you're going to realize benefits as you see overall where you can make those savings and be more efficient. At the same time, I'm always quick to caution people to understand that there is, as I've always called it, a ball of work. There is always a ball of work that has to be done. One of the great things about technology is that, for example, it can spit out lots of data for you. That's great, but you've got to, someone has to generate the data somewhere. The machine won't just, of, in, of itself, of its own volition, come up with your data. Whether that's student data or the, the question set. But, but when you put that in, when someone realizes that that's their role, you've got to put in the student data, you've got to put in your questions. The data that can then be generated from it is far in excess of anything that you could do on paper at the same speed. Yeah. And then a tool such as Inspira generates lots of interesting data about the test too. And that can be really useful to institutions to be able to see how students are performing. They can get a good overview of how long it takes to do a test or which questions were more difficult than others. For example, maybe which tests were more difficult than others, looking at average scores and things like that. And then they can take this data to continuously improve their tests. But of course, that doesn't happen automatically either. That's a process that somebody has to has to own. The platform does generate a huge amount of data, as you say. As with any platform, it's knowing what to do with that data and it's using it in a smart way. And it's also deciding who sees it and why they see it. If we take, for example, the ability to see how long students took to answer a question, what is that actually telling you? What's the, the metric that you want this for? And what are you going to do with it? Who are you going to share it with as well? The automatic reaction to having all of this data available is to think, great, I'm going to harvest it and put it somewhere. But then you have to do something with it. I think that as institutions consider analytics, and it's a big topic that they consider not just in assessment, but in their learning and in everything they, their students do, Having an idea of what you want that output to be will help you drive what kind of inputs you need. I think the second part to it as well is about that sharing aspect. My own view is that if we're going to take this data and we're going to use it, it's useful not only to academics, it's also useful to students. And it's about making sure that they get to see the right things that then actually tell them something that is useful. Because in isolation, seeing a stat, a student may think, I don't know what this tells me, or they may panic, or they may react in a way that's the opposite of what you think that they would do. So they too need some help with what these statistics are that you're presenting to them and how they can actually use them. Yes, I, I do think that that is another benefit of having assessments online. Often what happens with paper assessments is, is that the paper kind of becomes in the end separated from the mark lots of the time students never get that paper back and they just have a mark and comes to the end of the year and they feel like they did well or they didn't do well and that's the end of that but it's more possible with with online assessment to give students back their their answers and really connect the the feedback to the work that they actually did there are huge possibilities and that that is one of them 
the ability to have inline comments, the ability to have feedback that sits in the same place as where the students did their assessment. There's also the ability to not have feedback if that's not what you need. There's the ability to automate feedback. So yes, there, there's a menu of options available there that allows you to customize the feedback that you give students to the formative or summative type of assessment that it is, to the level, to the particular students and what you want them to see. All of that with the reduced administration of having to distribute feedback leads, I would suggest, to better feedback, richer feedback and more appropriate feedback for those students. And then I think this then sort of uh, loops back to one of the things that you were saying about the potentially less kind of uh, concretely quantifiable benefits of digital assessment that that student satisfaction. And I think feedback is an important part of that. Uh, and also the flexibility that we were talking about and possibly the uh, authentic element as well. But is there kind of any advice that you would give to institutions who are thinking about implementing digital assessment or in the early stages of that to make sure that it's going to be used in a way that students will benefit from and, and will feel greater satisfaction when they're taking an assessment? I mean, you know, lots of, lots of us don't love taking exams, but how can we make sure that it is an experience that's kind of as positive as it, as it can be? I think one of the most important things is when you're thinking about what you're going to do digitally is involving your students in asking them what they think, what they like, what they dislike about current systems, uh, be they paper or any sort of digitization that you've got now, what they would expect to see from a future system. And I think as important as anything else, when you are looking at platforms and looking at the student experience, getting some students to look at that student experience, because they're the ones who are going to be doing it on a regular basis. Yeah. It can be it can be easy to, to skip past that step and not get that student input on what they are seeing. At the same time, I think it's really worth focusing on student um, I'm trying to think of the, the most appropriate word, uh, student fears, it's probably the right word, about digitization or further digitization, about being really upfront and clear with them as to whether this is going to lead to a change in their assessments. And there's a difference between innovating and whole scale change. Uh, there, or there may not be, depending on how, what sort of innovation you have. But that that's going to be one of the student questions that that they have. When you then actually implement, it's about giving them as much time as possible and as many opportunities as possible to try out the system, to test it in a no-stakes environment. Uh, I, I recommend that customers have a perpetual open Inspira demo where they do not put subject-specific questions. I, I recommend either cheese or capital cities of the world, or if you want to be smart, <laughs> both. Because then people aren't concentrating on the questions. They're looking at the environment. Let them use that again and again. And give them a student guide that gives them every bit of knowledge that they need to know about the system. And make sure it's the same guide that everyone has, faculty and staff too. Students don't want to feel like there's some secret guide that they haven't been party to. Everyone should know. Everyone knows how pen and paper exams work. Everyone should know how their digital exams work as well. 
Yeah, it needs to be really transparent and yeah, it needs to feel like there's no secrets or that using the system itself is an additional test because it's tempting to think that students now are very comfortable with digital tools and lots of them are, but not everyone. And so it's important that everybody has has a kind of base level of, of knowledge of at least how to use the system before taking an exam. I think that's important. D digital comfort is great. And that helps you with using new applications and platforms. But something that I suspect will resonate with our listeners is that no matter how digitally competent you are, over the course of the last 18 months, you've almost certainly used a video conferencing tool that you've never used before. Now, if you're really digitally comfortable and competent and you have really great digital skills, it would have been less daunting and you'd have been quicker in doing so. But for some, they may have used Zoom, but now they're using Google Meets and the buttons are in a slightly different place. And that's just a small challenge the first time they do it. The same thing's true as with assessment. And so if that first, second, third, fourth, fifth time they use it is in a zero stakes environment, then by the time they get to their actual assessment, as you say, they're not worrying about the environment. They're just getting on with doing the best that they can. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits of Inspira specifically is that the user interface is very simple and it's very clean. And so there isn't any distracting visuals or animations or bright colors or anything like that during the assessment. I think that the way that the system is designed it very much allows the students to be focused on what they're actually should be focused on. And that's the way that it should be, that the students have this clean, clear environment that is based on the look of a web page, so something that is familiar to us, where they can navigate around the screen with ease. And as you say, the thing that they're actually focused on is their assessment. So for the students, uh, it's very important for them to be able to kind of feel comfortable with the platform. But of course, it's the same for staff as well. For probably a number of years, they have been used to doing assessments in the same way. And so it sounds like some of the recommendations for students are probably going to be similar for staff to provide them with demos and to give them user guides and things like that. Again, staff are going to have different levels of comfort with digital tools. Is there anything else that you think institutions should be doing to make sure that their staff are happy with, with the tool as well? That's part of it, I agree. Guides, uh, the opportunity to, to use the platform. I think having a layer of support for them that caters to the different levels of digital comfort and skills that people have uh, will help them adopt. But also what will is showing them what people have done in the platform. You, you'll always have a program or a school that went first. Uh, you'll have those early adopters. They can help be part of your rollout. And then certainly with us is involving us in it too. We, we really enjoy working with institutions to help them roll out the platform further. Uh, with one of our current customers, we've just this week, two of the team have done a, a Zoom session with wider faculty at the institution. And we'll be going there next month to talk to them in person and meet more people to help with that adoption. And, and most of the time, it's it's about showing people the platform in a relaxed environment that allows them to see what they can do. 
and gives them some comfort that it isn't something that's so out of the ordinary that they're not going to be able to use it, which isn't the case. It, it is very simple to use. That partnership, and there's two there. There's one, which is the people implementing in the institution along with the wider institution. And then there's us helping out, which we really enjoy doing. Brilliant. And so I think all of those those points, flexibility, authenticity, savings, both that are quite tangible and some that are maybe harder to measure, satisfaction and ease of use across stakeholders are all ways that digital assessment can provide long-term value that's beyond just being able to hold exams remotely, but something that can really become a key part of, of the institution's strategy. So a final question to wrap things up, and, and I'm asking everybody this in this short series. What is your hope for the future with assessment? How do you see it evolving and what would you like to see several years from now? I think over the next several years, what I'd like to see is that digital assessment becomes as commonplace to staff, student and academics as virtual learning environments have over the last 15 or 20 years. It's not a question of whether we should have digital assessment. It's just there because having that baseline then allows people to innovate in terms of their assessments and that all the things we talked about towards the start of this podcast about how they can really make it more authentic, how they can innovate the way in which they assess. All of those things come when everyone is at that baseline level. So that in several years time, we're assessing in ways that we didn't think possible today. And we hadn't thought of today because we didn't know that they existed. And that innovation will have come from having the time and space to do it with everyone at a, a minimum level. And I think that's entirely achievable because use of Inspira, for example, to just, and I say just, but you know, it's level one, put essays and multiple choice questions is relatively simple to then think about integrating with other tools, to think about the way in which you can use other question types will just open up a wide world of possibilities in terms of assessment. And all of that with the pedagogic aspects of assessment driving it. The pedagogy drives the technology, not the other way around. And that is really important. The technology is the enabler there to great pedagogy, to great assessment taking place and that real improvement. Thank you. And I think that's a really good point to end on, that we should really be implementing and using educational technology in a way that is pedagogically relevant. And we shouldn't be digitizing for the sake of it. In fact, I actually think we have a quote from one of our customers that says exactly that. So we'll wrap things up now. And I hope that everybody has enjoyed listening today. I've really enjoyed talking with Ishan and it's been great to get his insights, both as someone who works at Inspira and someone who's worked with Inspira in an institution. Next time, we'll be talking with Matthew and Simon, who are digital assessment consultants. And we'll be going into a bit more depth about how you can effectively implement assessment to make sure that you see some of the benefits that we've talked about today. Until then, please do subscribe if you like this podcast. You can find us everywhere you usually get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple and Google. You can also find us on social media at Inspira.